They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now, they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. Wrestling brought to you and powered by Meow Box. Meow Box is a monthly cat subscription box service full of surprises and delivered to your door every single month. And stay tuned for a special gift just for our listeners for listening to the two man power trip of wrestling, courtesy of Meow Box and MeowBox.com. With that being said, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, Primetime John Paz. And John, before we get into today's explosive, explosive episode, we're going to throw a really quick to Adam from Pro Wrestling World in Allentown, Pennsylvania, telling us about a lot of amazing and very unique upcoming autograph signings and appearances at Pro Wrestling World in Allentown, PA that are coming up. So stay tuned for Adam from Pro Wrestling World, and we'll be right back with a very, very explosive and very, very controversial interview with Rene Dupree. Today is a good friend of our show, and that is Adam from Pro Wrestling World in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Adam's here to talk about some really, really exciting things going on at Pro Wrestling World, including on September 26th from 11 to 1 to September to Remember 3, featuring maybe three of John and I's favorite competitors in history, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Sean Waltman, Wolfpack, going to be in Allentown. They're going to be doing their whole deal, but I'm not going to talk about it. I'm going to turn it over to Adam. Let him tell us all about September to Remember 3 and all of the amazing signings that are coming up at Pro Wrestling World. How you doing, Adam? Hey, guys. I'm doing real good. Thanks for letting me on the show. Oh, our pleasure. So tell us tell us a little bit about September to Remember 3 and how are September to Remember 1 and 2? All right. Well, September to Remember 3 is definitely going to be the biggest event that we've ever had at Pro Wrestling World. Uh, our largest crowd attendance was Razor Ramon. We had to turn a bunch of people away. Uh, second biggest was Kevin Nash. So you take Razor and you add Kevin Nash, this signing is going to be huge. We strongly uh, advise getting your advanced tickets. Yeah, totally. And you could go to uh, wrestlers.us. It's R-A-S-S-E, excuse me, R-A-S-S-L-E-R-S.us. And so tell us, what can they expect at the signing? What's the process? What's available? And uh, how many two-suites are going to be given out that day? I'm sure there's going to be plenty of two-suites given out that day. The way it works is we will have 8x10s available for people to get signed if they don't have any items of their own. A lot of times, the way it works, our fans bring their own things, whether it be action figures, T-shirts, DVDs, uh, or the WWE Encyclopedia. A lot of people like getting that signed. Now, you have a bunch of other upcoming signings. Who else will be coming to Pro Wrestling World? Well, big 
big signing. We got the Hardy Boys coming in November 14th. I believe it's a Saturday. And then the following day, it is going to be November to remember. It's a, a two-day event. The first day is the Hardy Boys. The second day, we'll have Christy Hemi, Bobby Lashley, and many, many more. The Boogeyman's coming back. A lot of these guys have been there before, like Jimmy Anvil Nightheart and Earl Hebner. They enjoy the museum. They enjoy the shop. And they're happy to come back and meet the fans again. Now, can you just tell us a little bit about the museum? I know it's located directly next to the shop. Can you just tell us a little bit about that museum? Sure. It's on the second floor of the Merchant Square Mall. And uh, we have probably the largest museum that I know of. I've never been to another museum like it. And uh, we have a lot of really cool, unique pieces. We have a couple of WrestleMania promos and things like that. We have a piece that is signed by Andre the Giant and Big John Studd. We have a life-size painting of Andre the Giant where you could test your size and see how tall you stack up against Andre. And there's a lot more. We have a new school section, an old school section, NWA TNA section, lots and lots of wrestling stuff that you could come check come check out. That is awesome. And what else can we find in your store? What what you know, what sets you guys apart from all the other stores? What makes us unique is we are the only just strictly wrestling store in the world as far as I've seen. There's been uh, other wrestling stores that that sell sports memorabilia, you know, hockey and football and baseball, or some other places that get into the DC Marvel comics. At Pro Wrestling World, it's just wrestling. You get LJNs, you get Hasbro's, all that. You get the classic superstars, you get the new Mattel, but it's 100% just wrestling. So it's actually... I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, it's kind of funny. Uh, the the two-man power trip of wrestling took a uh, road trip to the original pro wrestling world probably about, what, John, 12 years ago at this point? Yep. And yep. Uh, it's kind of funny because uh, I'm never the wheel man. It's always, uh, it's always my tag team partner. And we took a ride out. We were going to buy some uh, VHS tapes, and that's dating us very, very highly. Remember, we were talking about it the whole way. And realized about halfway there that uh, the driver had gone in the complete opposite direction. And we were wondering why we couldn't hit Allentown, Pennsylvania. But when we finally arrived, we can vouch for the merchandise that was there in 2003, 2004. I'm sure it's evolving ever more so. But do you get people coming from all over to go to Pro Wrestling World? Yeah, we have people that come every other year. They come from London. And we have a very, very big, big fan base. Uh, their names are Paul and Melissa. They come from the United Kingdom almost every other year faithfully to you know, come check out Pro Wrestling World. That would be the, the farthest that, that I know that people have come, but people come from out of state. And like Paul and Melissa, they come from out of country. Now, I know there you guys have a bunch of different sections of merchandise. You know, you guys have the book section and stuff, but what's your favorite part of the store? My favorite part of the store is I do the newer stuff. My boss, Bug Carson, he is much, much more into the older stuff. He covers pretty much from the 60s to the 
late 80s, and I, I pick up from the early 90s to now. So pretty much any time between, uh, like, the Attitude Era was definitely my favorite section. So anything from then on. Yeah, and that's part of the appeal of going to Pro Wrestling World is getting a chance to talk to Bud Carson because he's such a, a well-known conventioneer. You, know, you see him at all the shows. He's always very willing to talk to everybody and always has fun stories, can always relate. But let's just talk about really quickly, before we get back to plug in the September to remember, let's talk about some of the other guests you have coming up. We've got the magnificent Morocco, Bob Backlund, Lacey Von Erich, and, of course, former two-man power trip wrestling guest, Joni Lauer, a.k.a. China. And those are going to be, well, gosh, just go to wrestlers.us and check the dates because there's a couple different ones. But you got, then you have the November to remember phase one and phase two, but let's write back on September to remember three, September 26th from 11 to one. You got combo tickets. You got the wolf pack, but give us one big, Oh, excuse me. You know who I'm forgetting? I can't believe I'm forgetting bill after is going to be signing his new book uh, is wrestling fixed at uh, pro wrestling world. And please check that out as well. But tell us about the wolf pack. Give us one hard sell on September to remember three. We've had uh, Razor Ramon, Kevin Nash, and X-Pac all before, and they've been all incredible turnouts. And this is your one chance to get a picture with all three of these wrestling legends. And this signing is going to be just way too sweet. All right. The website is www.rasslers. That's R-A-S-S-L-E-R-S dot U-S. The Twitter is PWW underscore Allentown, and that you can find us on Twitter. Look us up on YouTube at Pro Wrestling World and on Facebook, Pro Wrestling World. I'm Adam Warfell. I'm always on, and it was, we're looking forward to hearing from you. of wrestling brought to you by meow box and john now it's time to bring on the renee dupree interview that we've been talking about for a couple of days now in our last episode with rory fox which contained some pretty raw and uh hardcore comments about uh his disdain for hernandez uh we kind of said that you know if you thought that was pretty insane you got to listen to what uh renee dupree's got to say about a couple guys that he worked with in the wwe now, before we get into all of them, we just want to state that we had a plan to release this episode. It got pushed back a little bit because we had to do a little logistic, uh, logistical verification. How about that? Because uh, some of the things said are a little rough, and uh, we kind of made all the decision, putting our heads together, and we, uh, we decided to go through with what we've got in this episode. So... With that being said, John, I want to get your impressions of Rene Dupree, a guy who was given a lot very fast. He was brought into the WWE very young, but he's got it in his blood. And why don't you tell us a little bit about what you think of your impression of Rene Dupree after we got to talk to him. Yes, Chad, what a great episode yet again from us. And like we teased on the last episode with Roy Fox, Rene Dupree, what a an amazing chat we have with him, and part two will be soon to come, hopefully, from uh, Mr. Dupree, because he was so fun to talk to. He, such a candid guy. I mean, no pulled punches, no bullshit, which we love on this show, and uh, he shot straight from the hip. Uh, overall impressions of him is obviously a great guest, but 
wrestling-wise, I mean, the kid was wrestling, or excuse me, the guy was wrestling as a kid, uh, you know, at a very, very young age, was very experienced in the business. Right now, he's not so high on the business, as you'll listen to the interview, but he was the youngest WWE champion of all time. He's a tag champion, obviously, with La Resistance, which was great, and huge, huge heat magnets, and you could just tell, obviously, he carried the group, uh, Grandier, Savon Grandier, not that great in the ring, and uh, Dupree had to carry the group, and when they put Conway in with Dupree, I mean, those two were actually two good hands, two good wrestlers, so La Resistance, uh, I felt they had, uh, had more to give. They could have had a longer run, and uh, you'll hear more about all that from Mr. Dupree himself. But uh, overall, he was a great interview, and I love how open and honest he truly, truly was. And even though you'll hit it a little bit later in the two-man power trip of wrestling business with some of our past episodes, you actually can go back and check out an episode we had with Rob Conway not too long ago where he does give his take on his team with Dupree. So it's uh, it's kind of funny, some of the um, you know incidental... Um, you know, tag team pairings that we get both aspects and both perspectives uh, from each individual member of the team. But let's move forward and let's use the key word honesty here. And it's all about honesty. And he shot straight from the hip. He gave us his raw opinion of a couple guys. Why don't you run down who those guys were? Yeah, Chad, you know, you're right. Yeah, speaking of honesty, I mean, he just opens up Big time. I mean, we talked about some controversial issues with him and uh, some of the guys that he had some heat with or or some of the guys he had some problems with. So, I mean, you just run down the list here and you think of, of course, you think of the Dudley boys because there was an incident there where obviously Bub was stiffing him inside the ring and we get a real true honest opinion from Renee about the Dudleys. And basically, I mean, here it is. He hates Bubba. He's a bully, hence the name Bully Ray, but he really is a bully and uh He's a jerk and everything else, and um, Devon, he kind of liked. So it's funny that uh, he can like one tag partner and hate the other, but it, I mean, that's just the way it is, and you can tell in the ring that Bully stiffed him a little bit, and there were some issues there for sure. He gives his open, honest opinion on John Laurinaitis, Johnny Ace, which was great to hear and just so funny because you do hear a lot of these true stories, even from our last episode of Rory Fox, about how Johnny Ace is backstage and everything. So it's great to hear Renee's honesty about Johnny Ace. And, of course, he just absolutely hates Hardcore Holly. Uh, what he says about Hardcore Holly is just great and it's entertaining and it's funny. And, and uh, you know, it's his opinion. Uh, is it true? It very well could be. You know, But uh, this, is again, is his opinion. He's open and honest about it. And he pulls no punches as he just does not like Hardcore Holly. And, of course, we get his feelings on JBL, Chad. We get his comments and thoughts on JBL indeed. And uh, we are going to stress again, it's strictly Rene Dupree's uh, words that are said here. Now, there's a little bit, you're going to get a little bit, a little glimpse of what he had to say to start. But we just, we made the decision to to cut it out and uh, move forward with the episode. Because he had a lot of other great stuff to say. There's another interesting take, you know, on uh, the WWE from that time in the, you know, mid-2000s. But you get the absolute impression that... JBL and Rene Dupree just did not get along. Yeah, Chad, like you mentioned, him and JBL, big time feud. Obviously, JBL, another one of those guys who's uh, suspected of you know being a bully and and uh, perhaps treating the, some of the guys right and you know taking liberties with some of the guys, just like Bubba Ray and just like Hardcore Holly have been accused of. So, I mean, you know, perhaps JBL a little bit of a bully, or they had a little bit of an issue, and I mean they definitely hated each other, and uh, Rene definitely hates JBL, but. 
keep in mind this it is not his uh, comments about jbl are not quite ready for broadcast uh we had a powwow uh us and i mean he chad is the us and uh mr renee dupree and uh we decided uh, maybe those comments aren't quite ready to be broadcast quite yet so we actually didn't keep them in but you will hear what he thinks about jbl a little bit and all we have to say is stay tuned for a future episode where hopefully we can work the things out Maybe talk to uh, my lawyer over there, Mr. Wassifer, and uh, try to figure out what we can do with the uh, the JBL clip because it's I mean it's just can't, it's more candid than we've ever had on the show before, and and obviously you will hear you know where we had to cut it, but very very raw emotion from Rene Dupree at that point, just just unbelievable, just great, and we love it on the show when the guys shoot from the hip. And we get open and honest and candid answers. And I don't think you get more open and honest and candid than we got on this episode with Rene Dupree. I completely agree. And we get very open and honest with Rene Dupree. And, you know, it's uh, it's funny. These past two episodes have really taken the uh, shoot factor to another level. When, uh, you know, we get some fun stories, we get some takes on the business from these guys that, uh, you know, there's guys that you're not going to like or you have it in every job. There's somebody that really might rub you the wrong way. But, you know, uh, these last two episodes with Rory Fox and now with Rene Dupree, man, we got some uh, hardcore truths coming out of uh, these two guys. But speaking of hardcore truth, how about the fact that Meowbox, who is today's sponsor, is going to give you 10% off your first box subscription order when you use the promo code POWERTRIP10. That's POWERTRIP10 in all capital letters when you go to meowbox.com. And hey, 10% off your first box subscription is uh, that's a hell of a deal. And Meow Box is going to bring you nothing but the best. But I'm not going to tell you more of the details of that. I'm going to hand that over to the, the cat man himself. And that is Primetime John Paz. John, the floor is yours. Yes, Chad. Not only is your Meow Box personalized by hand with your cat's name written on the inside of the box, all of the edible items are made in Canada or in the USA. So you know where all your ingredients come from. Also, they have a giving program called One Box Can. With every Meow Box purchase, they donate a can of food to a shelter cat on your behalf. So that is great. And most important to me for a picky cat like mine, Lucy, who is sitting right in front of me staring out the window. She has a very special diet. And now you have the option to receive Meow Boxes with absolutely no edible items, which is great for me and Lou. They actually replace the food and treats with more toys and surprises, which is awesome. So that's meowbox.com. Promo code is POWERTRIP10. And receive 10% off your first subscription. Again, it's meowbox.com. Enter promo code POWERTRIP10. And now for some TMPT business. Subscribe to us on YouTube. We are forever putting up great, great clips on there, so you always want to check it out and subscribe so you're up to date on the latest and greatest. Also, please subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a review. We would love to hear your feedback. Also, while you're on there, check out the feed. So many great episodes that we've recorded already with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Harley Race, Jim Ross, the late, great Dusty Rhodes, WB's Dean Ambrose, WB's Kane, and so, so many more. So you please want to check that out. Also, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Wrestling Pal and at Two Man Power Trip. And of course, the website, tmptofwrestling.com. That is tmptofwrestling.com. Now, without any further ado, I sent it to a great episode with the open, honest, candid, one of the straightest shooters we've ever had on the show, one of the best episodes we've done, and 
we just absolutely loved having him on, and there will be a part two, so please keep in touch with us for that one because you're going to want to hear it. You're going to want to hear some more candid comments that he's made about JBL that hopefully we can release in the future. So please, without any further ado, here's a great, great episode with a former WWE Tag Team Champion, the youngest champion in the history of the WWE. He was a great member of La Resistance. He was one of the most over heels ever in the history of WWE during that time period. And he is, without any further ado, a man with wrestling in his blood, a man who's done it for a long, long time. He is Mr. Rene Dupree. Please enjoy. Well, at 19 years old, today's guest became the youngest competitor to hold the WWE Tag Team Championship. That's only a small part of the full story. And one of the most talented and underrated performers of the last decade joins us today. He's a former member of La Resistance and a member of the Dupree Wrestling family. He is Rene Dupree. Thank you for joining the two-man power trip of wrestling. Pleasure to be here, bud. Awesome. Yeah, so uh, basically, you know, we kind of want to know, what have you been up to lately? You uh you were, like I said, you know, one of the most underrated guys of the last 10 years. Definitely had uh, that opportunity for the WWE to push you to the moon, but uh, where? what have you been up to? I'd rather be overrated. I think it pays better. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't do nothing, dude. I sit at home and um, <laughs> let interest collect on my investments. That's what I do. I might be the most underrated, but I was probably the smartest with my money. So that's what I do. And he who lasts, lasts laughs best and that's uh that's awesome to hear but you know we also uh john and i were talking before we got on the line we were talking about grand prix wrestling and the fact that grand prix wrestling is making uh, a little bit of a comeback but uh talk about that history of grand prix wrestling in your family and your father obviously and uh what grand prix wrestling means to you uh as a uh, as a competitor um, well um that's that's where i got how i got introduced to uh pro wrestling i was born and raised in a wrestling family my father was uh, was a wrestler, then turned promoter up here in the Canadian Maritimes. His promotion was called Atlantic Grand Prix Wrestling, and um, you know that my life is wrestling. A lot of the fans don't realize that, you know, unless they they do research. But uh, obviously, you guys have. So you know, much like the Hart family, I, I was born and raised in the wrestling game. So for me, it, it means more than anything. Yeah, and, and Grand Prix Wrestling, of course. I mean, some of the biggest names in the history of the business uh, cut their teeth going through there. Obviously, Bruno San Martino, the Macho Man, his brother Lanny Poffo, a lot of big names that made their way through Grand Prix Wrestling. But is there anybody that really – I mean, and your dad, obviously, too. I mean, we can't deny the fact how much your dad made an impact uh, – in that that aspect uh, of Grand Prix, but uh, is there anything that stands out to you about Grand Prix? Like, is there a favorite match you had growing up? Um, well, I got to spend time, you know, with guys like uh, Harley Race, Dynamite Kid, and Masahiro Chono, Chono, who was probably one of the biggest influences because, uh, you know, he was a Japanese wrestler, Japanese style, which really got me hooked. Um, in wrestling, and like Harley Race was a big star in Japan, and so was my kid. And um, you know, and plus I saw him on WWF TV, right? So it, that made him even bigger stars in my eyes. But uh, 
Yeah, those those were my biggest influence, along with guys like Rick Martel, who came here um, at 13 is when I started working, you know, putting up rings and selling merchandise and, you know, just being a, a young boy, so to speak. And then uh, Rick Martel, I came in during a tour. And um, if you watch some of my single stuff in WWF, there's a lot of uh, Rick Martel-isms. <laughs> I was very influenced by him, so, yeah. Now, you started wrestling at a very, very young age. I believe your debut was sometime in the late 90s, or maybe it was 1997 or so, but when did you actually debut, and how old were you when you debuted? Uh, I was 14 years old. It was 1998. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, 13 is when I, I started working, you know, um, just basically watching the matches, traveling in the cars, you know, with uh, with the veterans and, and learning the business. That was like my introduction into it. And then finally I started training when I was 14 to get in, actually get in the ring. You know. And when did you, really, as you're going through, obviously you're, you're learning the ropes and stuff, but when did the WWE first come knocking and first start basically, uh, you know, talent, uh, talent evaluating you? Um, well, I sent a I sent a package like everybody else, you know. Um, I'd actually trained because I realized that uh, you know Vince McMahon was a big bodybuilding fanatic, so I actually got into bodybuilding and competed, and uh, I won a Mr. Canada bodybuilding championship when I was 17. And the only reason why I did that was because my my goal was to make it to WWF, and uh, I realized that. They were looking more, especially at that time, because that's when WCW got bought out, right? You know, and they're the only game in town. So I was going to make my resume very, very um, impressive. Okay, so that's what I did. I sent it in, and then uh, I got welcomed to a tryout in Cincinnati when I was 18. I just had my 18th birthday. And that was the Heartland Wrestling Association at the time in Cincinnati with Les Thatcher. It was a week-long tryout, and uh, a bunch of guys were there, actually. A.J. Styles was a part of that, Matt Morgan, Travis Tomko, Kevin uh, Kevin Thorne. A bunch of guys got, got hired out of that. And, uh, yeah, I think I'm the youngest guy ever signed. I think it's between me and Teddy Hart, but I think I'm younger than him when I got signed. So. Yeah. yeah, that is the uh, the rumor, I guess, if you will. It was either you or Teddy Hart were the youngest, but... Uh... In the news lately, I, I don't know if he's joking or serious or not. Uh, Virgil actually said that he was the youngest ever signed, but I, I don't think that's actually true. <laughs> Is he still lonely? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even more so. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was 18, so how old was he? I don't know. He he never said. He just said he just put out a blanket statement that he was the youngest guy ever signed by WWE. I don't know. I think I, I, I doubt his claims, but um, now, when you first got into WWE, did they send you down to OVW to train? Uh, first, it was Heartline Wrestling Association. Uh, I was in Cincinnati for like three weeks. Then I had to come back home to Canada um, for a visa, get my visa issues taken care of, to get a proper work work permit or whatever. And during during the time I came back, they actually shut down HWA for whatever reason, and then they sent me to OVW. So, yeah, OVW is where I did most of my... But I wasn't there very long.
long either. I was only there like six months before I called up, got called up to do the uh, Love Resistance thing. And when they debuted Law Resistance, I mean, there was a huge amount of heel heat. You guys were definitely uh, definitely hated. Did you enjoy that gimmick, like how it was proposed to? Did you enjoy that you, you know, you're going to be this great heel from uh, basically these French-Canadian heels? Well, we were supposed to be from France. But uh, answer me this question. Who had more heat than us on the whole roster at that time? Nobody. Mm. Nobody. Mm. Nobody did. Okay. As soon as our music hits... And it was real heat. It wasn't like, okay, we don't like noise. Like, we want to see these guys get their asses kicked. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, if you're a heel, that's the kind of heat you want, right? Yeah, I, you know, I got to I gotta say, I was actually, uh, there was a Monday Night Raw that I, I'll ne- honestly never forget it. It was after, I believe, WrestleMania 20. I, I, you might have been out of La Resistance at this point, but just from the heat point of view, uh, it was a, a segment with Steve Austin I've never seen a crowd just so, you know, just the booing was so, um, I guess you could say, vicious, and it was just constant. And you got, you were just, like I said, such a magnet. But it was, uh, it was definitely something worth, you know, checking out every week. Was that what you thought right off the bat was going to happen? Is that you guys are just going to have insane heat like that? Well, I knew there, there was, you know, it was a big thing in the news, you know, and. Americans are very patriotic people, especially up in the Northeast. Well, anywhere in the U.S., to be honest with you. But, yeah. And then you put, I mean, with the looks that me and uh, Sylvain had, I mean, we looked like two uh, two underwear models or whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was instant heat, and we got the gimmick over, you know. So, yeah. And then when I went on singles, they put me with John Cena, and we all know how he he, he he's done for the past decade. Um, hmm. There was no John Cena sucks chance, was there? Hmm. No, it was clear cut that they they loved him and they hated me. Yeah, so. yeah definite heat magnet, and uh, he definitely you know obviously moved on to other things. But you guys did have a uh, U.S. title feud, and that was probably the last time that he wasn't booed, or you know you didn't get a John Cena sucks chance. But what was what was it like uh, feuding with John Cena at that point? Did you see that they were you know giving him the ball so to speak, and they were going to make him the the top dog? Oh yeah, you could see it. It was it was obvious. Um, I know they had plans for me as well, but because I, I was so young, because when I started feuding with him, I was 20 years old, maybe 21, you know, and he's about seven or eight years older than me. So um, plus he's American, you know. It's just. Um, you have to understand that 95% of their business, WWE, as far as TV and pay-per-view, is, is done in the United States. And Americans want to get behind an American. When was the last time you've seen the face of a company being Canadian? I mean, it wasn't since Bret Hart, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I doubt, you know, that you'll ever see another Canadian. And it's not, I'm not trying to bash the Americans or be pro-Canadian, but it's just the way it is. It's just it's a business thing, right? Yeah. So with John Cena though, what did you what did you think of him? Did you think that he was a, a good wrestler, a good worker, or do you think it was just you know a prototypical Vince guy where he just you know he does a look and the, the appeal and the muscle? Uh, it, it's more than just in the ring. It's it's um, how do you conduct yourself outside the ring? Can they trust you? Are you are you good uh, dealing with media? Are you well spoken? Uh, if you have a positive 
attitude, you know. And those are all things that a lot of people don't take into account because it's, you know, it's a multi-million, if not billion-dollar company. And, uh, you know, and when Vince McMahon uh, enjoys something or, or likes something or somebody, he rolls with it, as you can tell, you know, with Cena or Undertaker or Shawn Michaels or, you know, whatever. If he, he likes you and you're good for business, he's going to stick with it, you know? And what were your overall impressions of Vince McMahon when you worked there? Did you, you know, did you interact with him a lot? Did you get along with him? Mm. He, uh, no comment about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll leave that one on no comment. Um, recently, a tag team that you guys are very, very familiar with just. Uh, Redebuted, if you will, back in the WWE, and that is the Dudley Boys. And if you read, you know, a lot of the, the dirt sheets and stuff, there's a lot of a history between you guys and the Dudley Boys. What was your overall impression of them? Did they stiff you? And are the rumors true that they basically took liberties with you guys? There's a bear shit in the woods. Oh my <laughs> god! I've had so many concussions from Bubba Ray Dudley. It's not even funny. You know, Chris Nowinski had to retire because of Bubba Dudley giving concussions, right? No, I didn't, didn't. I knew it was concussion related. I didn't realize it was Bubba Dudley. Yeah, yeah, Bubba Dudley. Yeah, well, yeah, he was uh, Devon. I mean, you know, this is universal. Everybody likes Devon because he's a pro, and Bubba can be uh, difficult to work with. Um, yeah, I must have had at least half a dozen concussions just from, and I mean, you know, things that are purposely, you know, on purpose. Like, for example, for example, you bend over for a backdrop and the guy Swiss kicks you right in the head. <laughs> you know what I mean? On purpose. <laughs> Stuff like that, yeah. yeah. If you watch a Raw from, uh, it was from Vancouver, B.C. Uh, it was right after an Australian trip. Uh, excuse me, Australian trip. It was, uh, yeah, a Raw from Vancouver, B.C. There's a kendo stick shot and it busts me open. I had to go rush to the hospital with like eight staples in my head. Uh, so. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Was uh, let's just say, was he a you know? He, I know his gimmick that he's a bully, if you will. But was he really a bully? I mean, was he just taking liberties with people? You know, or is he that much of an asshole? Um, I think he. Uh, listen, when you're up there. Um, it's a competition. It's a shark tank. It's uh, every man for himself. You know, I think he always wished that he could be a single star. You know, he could, he could be like you know the main event top guy by himself. But he's destined to be a tag wrestler. Let's face it, and a very good one. I mean, the Dudley Boys. Uh, uh, they know how to pop. You know, what what they do works. You know, and they're obviously being brought back because that's maybe what's best for business. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The tag, uh, the tag division that they have, you know. So, uh, but um, yeah, I mean, he lit up my partner Sly one time in the ring. I think Sly screwed up a spot, and then uh, Bubba punched him in the face, bloodied his nose, and then Sly asked him why backstage, and then Bubba went off and punched him in the face again. But uh, Sylvan was uh, very good friends with Pat Patterson, and. Uh, they were, they went around shortly thereafter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, that timeline, that definitely syncs up. Mm. Well, first they were um, they were drafted to SmackDown. I think they had about a six-month run, and then uh, they were gone. You know, it's about, what, ten years later, they're on their back. You know? Mm-hmm. So there you yeah, go. It doesn't matter how much uh, how much talent you have or how great you think you are. Um, professional wrestling is a work. I hate to break it to you. <laughs> you can always be replaced. No matter how good you are, you can always be replaced. You know, and it's kind of funny that, you know, you look at the fact that, you know, they do have a reputation. Well, at least Bubba has a reputation of being a little stiff and a little rough. And, you know, now they're training guys. They have their own training facility. Uh, but with the WWE being so careful about how they bring guys up these days with NXT and the Performance Center and yada, 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 and you've got to get X amount of time in their developmental system before they bring you up, bringing uh, somebody who's got a reputation like that back, you know, might be, might be one of the more uh, questionable decisions that they've made. But what do you think about the difference in, you know, over 10 years, uh, how they changed developmental so much? And did you ever think they would have this kind of machine with literally – uh, developing, molding, and forming today's you know newest stars uh, to their liking. Who have they developed since they have that performance center? Solely well, WWE. De- that, they, that, that they've signed that had no prior wrestling experience anywhere else. Okay, and uh, no one became a star. Mm-hmm. No one, and they won't. The ones that will become stars are the ones that go out and prove themselves elsewhere. And quite frankly, there's not that many places to really go and learn. But the ones that show the heart and the ter- determination and the love for it, not some fucking ex-football player who uh, twisted his ankle and can't play in the uh, NFL no more, or uh, not some underwear model, not some bodybuilder, no. They'll find The ones that will make it and will get over and will put up with their bullshit, quite frankly, are, are the guys that love it and have a true passion for it. You know what I mean? That's that's my opinion. Yeah, and you know, and you're like you mentioned your partner Sylvan earlier. You know that there was always uh, the speculation of him how you know he's good friends with Pat Patterson, and that's the reason he was around for as long as he was. But you guys made a hell of a team together, and we already said the heat, you know, and, and things of that nature. But how was Sylvan as a partner, and how did he really, you know, maybe learn from you too, and kind of uh, you guys work with each other based off of your history. I never met him, okay? It was a situation where there was an opportunity because of the media and what was going on in the real world to capitalize on that situation, and it was like right place at the right time, okay? Right place at the right time, and luck. And 99% of the time in this business, that's what it's all about. And um, it was like faith. Because I really didn't want to be stuck in OVW. Yeah, I was young, but it got old really quick. Okay, working the flea market every Sunday in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, uh, got really fucking old. Excuse my language. <laughs> okay, so I was going to take any opportunity that I could. You know, I wasn't going to pull an Elijah Burke and uh, refuse refuse to do something like, for example, when um, sorry, I'm going off topic, but when they brought in the Spirit Squad or whatever, remember that? Yep. Well, Elijah Burke refused refused. They they wanted him to be in there, and he he said no. You know. So I wasn't going to do that. Here's my opportunity to go on TV, go on debut on Raw, because that's that's the show to be on, quite frankly. Uh, and within what was it, two or three months, we were tag team champions, you know, main eventing Raw, you know, headlining pay per views. 
Fuck. Well, it's kind of cool. But as far as Sly, no, I didn't like the guy. Does that answer your question? <laughs> <laughs> we don't like each other. We haven't talked to each other and probably never will. So, now, yeah. with uh, Kenzo Suzuki, did you enjoy teaming with him? Because I know, obviously, you broke up with uh, Love Resistance, you got moved over to SmackDown, but did you enjoy him as a tag team partner? Well, he was great. Yeah, that's when I got into Japanese culture, you know, traveling him and his wife. But I spent more time in Japan than I did with the WWE or the United States, you know. I uh, had a seven or eight year career, but now I'm winding down. Now uh, I'm only 31. I want to be 32 in December, but I've had my I had my fill at wrestling, so to speak. It's time to do something else. I say that now, but a wrestler never retires, right? Um, now, if I if I could, I just wanted to jump to Japan. I'll come back to the other videos. Wanted to jump to Japan, but how did I knew you said you love the culture, but how did you like wrestling in front of the crowds? There's always differing opinions. On the Japanese crowd, some said it's too quiet, blah blah blah. But how did you enjoy the, you know, the crowds? Um, if you're good, you can get anybody off your ass, off their ass. And uh, it took time, but I learned how to get them off their ass. That's why I stayed there so long. You know what I mean? I learned how to get yep. over that crowd. Yep. And and there it's different. For example, if it's an opening match, they're going to treat it as an opening match. But if it's a match with significance, like a title match. It has importance and it has been built up right. They're going to get more involved into it. They'll get more with the false finishes and they'll be just as loud as the American crowd. Okay. Now with WWE, they do everything on TV. Nobody gives a shit if it's a title match or not. You don't even know the rules. You don't know what the hell's going on. You know what I mean? Who gives a mm. shit if it's a title match? They switch the belt every other week. You know what I mean? As far as tag titles or intercontinental. I couldn't tell you because I hardly ever watch. I couldn't tell you who the tag champs are now or who the Intercontinental Champion is now. I don't know. I don't know. I couldn't tell you. You know what I mean? So. There are definitely a lot of title changes, title switches. I mean, obviously it's done to death and it's done too often. But in all Japan pro wrestling, you were actually the TV champ there for a time. Now, what was yeah. the story behind that? You, you were the champ, and then you, you never actually defended the title. You, you gave it back. Were you done with All Japan at that point? Well, it was a situation where the administration um, switched uh, Muta and uh, the president's uh, re- resigned from uh, from All Japan, and uh, they formed Russell One. So I was on the administration of Muda. They were the ones that decided to put the TV title on me. And so when they resigned, it was like a bidding war between Russell One and All Japan. And at the time, the president that took the place of Muda in All Japan was uh, uh, not very well respected, I can say. So uh, I stayed loyal to Muda, and I kindly sent their belt back to All Japan. No hard feelings. Uh, business, you know, so. Hmm, business, business. Well, I never lost the All Japan TV title, so technically I'm still the All Japan TV champion. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Now, how did you enjoy working for Grey Muda? Obviously, he's one of the greatest wrestlers of all time and definitely one of the greatest Japanese wrestlers. But, well, you know, did you enjoy working for Muda? And uh, is he as good of a boss as he is as a wrestler? Yeah, he just wants to go out there and sign autographs. He's tired of wrestling. His knees are all fucked up, man. Doing that and he's a big man too. He's like six three, two sixty. I don't. I didn't realize how big he was until when I met him. I was like, 
puck is a big man, and to be able to move like he did at that size, unreal. You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, he was cool. He was just go out there and work. It was like an old-school wrestling promotion. It wasn't sports entertainment. You know? That's what I liked about all Japan. You go out there and work a hole, and the Japanese audience was accustomed to pro wrestling. It wasn't accustomed to a bunch of bullshit sports entertainment where you're being put through tables and hit over there with steel chairs and backstage vignettes and all that, all that jazz, you know. Now, you also competed in Hustle, which is, you know, a very unique uh, Japanese promotion with possibly one of the most popular uh, Japanese wrestlers slash MMA fighters of all time, and that's uh, Nobiko Takada. Now, with yeah. Takada, I guess you were in the Takada Army at one point, but did you enjoy your time in Hustle? Because that's a little bit of a different promotion for, uh, you know, for yeah, Japanese that was, standards. That was more entertainment as far as, Backstage vignettes and stuff, but I just wanted to get my foot into Japan. I didn't care what, what promotion I went. You know what I mean, because I knew once they seen me and they seen that I could wrestle and I had a good attitude or whatever, that I was going to stay there for a while, which I did. You know, but, um, but I mean, they were drawing huge houses. It was unbelievable. They were selling out the Budokan. They were packing Corkwin Hall like two or three days in a row. It was great work because you go over there, you stay there a week or three weeks, and You'd only have like two or three matches, and you had so much downtown just to visit the, the country and hang out, you know. It's cool. So I enjoyed now, it. There, you, yeah, that was my foot in the door. Is there any Japanese wrestlers that really stick out to you that you like working? Because I believe you work Kishida, who's great, great wrestler, and he's uh, the IWGP Junior Champ right now. And I think you wrestled Kawada, if I remember correctly. But is there any Japanese guys that really stick out to you that you wrestled over there? Uh, Sonata. Mm. Uh, TNA Sonata. Yeah. Um, or he was with TNA. Uh, Unreal. Uh, they, 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 TNA doesn't know how to fucking use talent, dude. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. They're fucking brutal. Are they still in business, by the way? Yes. They're barely uh, hanging on right now. Yeah, they're on Destination America here. Yeah. In the U.S. And they seem to be uh, barely hanging on. No, all those Japanese wrestlers can go. All of them, you know what I mean. And uh, Koshida, I worked with him, and he just—he just, he was just starting out, you know. And uh, we have uh, another one at Tajiri's, you know, because he was Tajiri's student, Koshida. Now uh, I had one on my tour here, uh, Kodama. I don't know if you've heard that name yet, but you probably will in the near future because he's. He's like a mini Tajiri, unbelievable. <laughs> Looks like him, walks like him, walks and talks like him. It's amazing. Is there, is there anybody else that uh, that you would say could be a standout like that from your uh, your guys up there with you? That wrestle with Grand Prix, you mean? Yes. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to say. I mean, where the the only platform that they can get would be maybe an ROH or uh, I mean Japan. Unless you go with New Japan, you kind of have to go through ROH now the way it is now because New Japan and them have a working relationship, correct? Yes. And yes. New Japan pretty much owns NOAA. And those are like some of the only two that actually fly foreigners back and forth. And now foreigners are so desperate to get international exposure that they're willing to fly themselves over there and live in their dojos and wrestle for free. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> 
just to get the exposure, just to get the, the, the experience, you know. So it is what it is. The wrestling business now, uh, it isn't wrestling business anymore. It's sports entertainment. That's a sad thing, if you ask me. But do you, do you think there's the pockets? Do you think there's pockets, though, of the, those niche? I, I said, do you think there's pockets of those uh, niche promotions that, you know, they try their hardest to really promote wrestling on the marquee, but, you know, it comes to be that uh, ticket sales translate to sports entertainment and they start to kind of uh, cash in on their, you know, what they, their, their style was supposed to be versus what it ends up being. And do you think that that's just still going to be an ongoing problem within, uh, quote, wrestling business? I don't know. Uh, it's hard to say. Um, like I said, I'm I'm pretty much done with the whole wrestling game. Uh, I'd like to do the convention circuit where I don't have to take any bumps because my brain's been so scrambled throughout the years that it's starting to affect me. It's starting to affect my daily life. It has it has been now that I'm getting older. Like it started when I was like 27. You start forgetting stuff. You start. Uh, it's screwed up, man. Like I said, when I've had 25 concussions just with WWE. And you think about it, you think, oh, that's so many. Not really, because when you're working a full-time schedule, and I was there five and a half years, and you wrestle, what, 150, 250 matches a year to have four or five concussions a year, you think that's highly unlikely? No, it's very normal, you know? So, so. And what do you? What's your take on the uh, the lawsuit that's out there by some former uh, contracted performers suing WWE for negligence of known injuries that they were like, hey, you know, take two of these and you'll be just fine. Uh, have you been contacted to participate in that, or do you have any kind of uh, perspective on those guys that are uh, in the process of it? I, have, I don't know anything of it, but I can tell you from experience that, yeah, there is definitely negligence. At least there was, you know. I don't know about now. I don't want now. I think they're trying to cover their tracks, but I have no opinion of it. What happens happens, and I just want to stay clear from that place. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Now, recently, uh, Daniel Bryan, who's a you know great wrestler for WWE, has been pulled, and he hasn't been allowed back, even though he said he's healthy. But he supposedly has been pulled because he's had several cushions. Do you think that maybe they, when you were there, they should have had some sort of protocol like that? Uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely, they didn't. You know what I mean? I personally got knocked out one night, and um, I was wrestling Rob Van Dam, and he hit me with a spin, and, and I was out for five hours. I was out Jeez. of my feet for five hours. I didn't get no concussion test. I didn't go to a doctor. You know, after a concussion, you're not supposed to go to sleep. I woke up in my bed, and Sylvain called me up and said, oh, you got kicked in the head, don't worry about it. Uh, you know how long I, I waited till I got back in the ring? I was <laughs> back <laughs> in the ring that night. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I remember the Bob Holly incident. I'm sure you guys are aware of that, right? Yep. Where I got kicked about 15 or 20 times in the fucking head with a, a wrestling boot. You know how hard a sole of a wrestling boot is? It's like a steel toe to boot. Uh, you know how long I waited? To the, the, did I go get a concussion test? No. Did I go to the doctor? Yeah, but just to see if there's anything broken around my eye. You know. Uh, now, what was, 
what was up with Bob Holly with that incident? Was there, like, heat between you guys, or, or yeah. is it just another kid to him being a bully? Uh, I was a kid, and I made a mistake by getting a parking ticket and uh, not paying it. And uh, I offered to pay him double, whatever it is, that I owed him. And that wasn't good enough. So uh, he threatened to kill me on a plane, and then he threatened to run me over. And then uh, the guy's a psychopath, hmm. okay? And I, I, I'm a firm believer because he was about 40. I was 20. He's, he's about 40 or 41. I believe he was suffering from dementia, to be honest with you. But, um, yeah, so John Laurinaitis, is, uh, he's behind it, too, because he's the one that booked me in a fucking match with him. And they knew, they knew, that was, they knew exactly what they were doing. That was all a big thing. And they knew exactly what was going to happen. And uh, they were laughing at it. That place is fucking corrupt. Huh. Yeah. Straight shoot. Yeah, really. Whew. Love it. Now, with the uh, as we start to hit the uh, the wine down here a little bit with JPL, was there like a similar incident? Is that true that you know he was basically a bully a too? And... Yeah. Hmm. How do I put that? He's a piece of shit. He's a racist. He called me a French. Can I use this word faggot every time I walked into a locker room? Yeah, yeah, we could definitely wrap it up. So please, you know, it, it was awesome talking to you. We appreciate all the information. But, you know, tell us if, uh, you know, if you want to give out any place that the fans can get a hold of you and uh, follow Grand Prix and tell us uh, what you're up to. Uh, all right. Uh, Rene Dupree at Hotmail.com. D-U-P-R-E, not two E's. And Rene with one E. If you spell it with two E's, it's a girl's name. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't have Facebook anymore, so don't contact me. I never had a Twitter, and uh, yeah, just my email and uh, Atlantic Grand. Uh, there's an Atlantic Grand Prix Wrestling tour on uh, Twitter if you want to join that. And unless you're from the Maritimes in Canada, really, it's not that important. But if you want to support me, uh, you can buy a T-shirt. So we're selling T-shirts there. So I appreciate you awesome. guys for the interview and the publicity, and I hope uh, hope I didn't bore you. Oh, no hell way. no. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no way. <laughs> Thank you so much. Really appreciate it.